It's Gentleman Jack Crack. Cue that fucking jaunty music. Nineteenth-century groveling, groveling, groveling. Good lord. And then from there, we cut back to Shibden with Aunt Anne Lister reading another letter from Anne that she will still be going on to Moscow. And after she's done reading this letter, you can see that Marion and Dr. Kenny, who's in the scene, look hella worried about the health deterioration that appears to be happening with Aunt Anne. And quite frankly, we were worried too. We were watching it. Oh, right. So Kenny's nudging Aunt Anne to kind of voice that she wants to see Anne Lister again. And she's like, but you know, but why? She's obviously having such a good time because she just got finished reading this letter. And he's like, yeah, but don't you, you miss her. And then she's, of course, she's like, you know, I mean, it's not, it's not that bad. Yeah, she doesn't want to upset Anne's traveling plans because she knows how much Anne loves to travel and socialize. And she loves getting those letters and living vicariously. Probably gives her a bout of energy even when she's feeling her worst. So, you know, uh, Dr. Kenny and Marianne exchange looks. Then they head out of the room where we get the rundown of the diagnosis. As far as Kenny's concerned, where he's like, well, it's, it's gangrene. Um, it could go either way. But I mean, if you want to be absolutely sure that Anne Lister gets to see her aunt alive i would reach out to her and i mean she didn't look the best in that bed she didn't on end so i mean i I could get the worry i could get the concern so marion also is a little ridiculous because she adds that dr kenny should write it in like his doctorly way because he knows how Anne fancies herself (laughs) a doctor like she's like put more verbiage put more wordage put more things in there that sound super medical so that Anne will be like, obviously, I need to come see this for myself. And she definitely read her sister correctly, because that, of course, is what ends up happening in the episode. And when we cut to the next scene of Anne reading the letter and looking worried for about a moment, that's about all that passes before she gets the fuck up and jaunts on out of the room to call on Eugenie and Huff to order those goddamn horses. So is this with the bloody... Okay, woof. All right. So not the kosherist way to, um, I guess, let the blood seep out of an animal. But one of the pigs on Silas Farm is being offered up for a sacrifice. Maybe it's dinner. We don't know yet. Then we see coming up... I don't want to say Horizon because that's way too far. But coming up the road, we see the uncle to the, the brother to, you know, the father who was formerly fed to all the pigs. And of course, Thomas's first reaction is shock. And he's, of course, he's like calling to his mom and he's like, uncle's here. <laughs> And of course, they're trying to get their stories aligned where they're like, well, we haven't seen our father. We don't know where he is. I mean, we think America, but, you know, we're not sure. And he was like, well, was there any like, was there any like bad words or exchange before he left? And Thomas says, yes. His wife says, no, it's cute weird so thomas and his mom are both addressing the concerns of you know sadler's brother did you mention the part that thomas was screaming for his mom like a little boy because he was very concerned with this uncle walking up because that was interesting to me like he didn't he panicked he oh, saw yeah, him no. coming up and he was like mom, it was it was definitely mom. shock i do stumble agree. stumble stumble stutter stutter and then the mom comes out stumble stumble stutter uh stutter more lies making up and (laughs) Thomas is like bitch more lies I can barely handle the lies we have of that I'm a murderer but (laughs) and here they go they should have talked about that before like what do we say what do we do before people show the fuck up asking about daddy but they did not do that and it's been days since the last time they had to lie so I mean I guess they didn't think that this would be a routine I mean how many people who care about Saladin 
It's going to show up at this farm. We already took care of the renting situation. We got that. So we don't have to worry about Ann Lister prodding around asking questions. We took care of that. We know that she's someone with so much on her plate, she'll never ask again. We know this. Or we know that Ann Lister doesn't really like men anyway. And our father slash husband <laughs> was a particular breed of contemptible. That is true. Because Ann was ready to fire his ass and or beat his ass. That is, that's very, very true. So, of course, he's only shown up because, you know, he's had a patch of bad luck. So he's looking to stay on because um he has nowhere else he could really be. And, of course, Thomas is assessing the situation. He's like, well, there's room for you here, of course, at the farm. But you're going to have to work like this. And, um, and no drinking, no, no alcohol because, you know, trauma. And you're going to have to go like, to we church. We don't do that here anymore. We don't consume alcohol in this here house. It's not what we do. That's what daddy did. And we not like it. And it makes sense for, in some instances, for people who are exposed to alcoholics to not want to ever touch the thing. So good for you, Thomas. You guys did not handle that lying situation well at all. But good for you that you stood your ground. And you're like, you know, what's not going to happen here again. Alcoholism and abuse. If I can stand it. So yay to Thomas. And from there, we cut back to the Priestleys. And they've arrived at the Sutherlands in Scotland. And inside, we see them plotting their getaway and cover stories when a servant essentially comes in and just fucks the whole thing up and is like, yo, so homeboy is actually riding the fuck up right now. He's on the pathway. I just saw him. <laughs> and Mr. Priest is like, oh, oh no, because we already know he's shook. He does not want to have to have a confrontation with another man, with anyone, period. But he tries to do something like he stands up. It's like, all right, I'm going to handle it. And Ann Walker's like, actually, I'll skirts, handle. skirts, <laughs> pause that. No, you're not. I'm going to handle it. And he tries to insist again that he'll handle it. She's like, no, bitch. I said, I, me, me, I will handle it. And, and of course, he didn't I really want to handle it. But he he needed to say that he would. He was trying to follow <laughs> the guidelines of the patriarchy. <laughs> He's like, that's not what women do. It's what us men do. And I'm having a hard time. I don't want to do it. So he was happy that uh, he didn't have to adhere to those patriarchal rules. And then next scene, we're outside with Ann Walker and Sutherland and Elizabeth and the Priestleys and the whole thing. And I just love the way Ann Walker walks up directly to his face because he's like, what's all this? What the fuck is going on? What's happening? Right. She's, like, She's like, oh, I'm leaving. leaving. Mm-hmm. I'm leaving. Thank you. I'm leaving. I'm getting the fuck out of here. I decided I'm leaving. I love how she navigated this entire scene, mostly because she had to do her best to not implicate her sister slash the captain's wife because she's gonna be stuck here dealing with him and his shitty attitude so like she had to come up with a way to be like i reached out they're fetching me we're done here and luckily they had something to stand on to be like well if he even tries the same thing about you or him the captain only you know being interested and concerned with her well-being and her health and it was enough for mrs Priestley to be like but you chose to not seek any help. Any there were there was nary a lady's physician who has seen Ms. Walker in the extended period in which she was under in your stay in your stead. So don't well, even it's try not to... extended, not an extended thing. If anything was a one off visit with someone who didn't a lady's physician, as they specified in an early episode, and that is not going to be the cutting edge of what a person needs to treat them, especially with how quote lady physicians were educated in those times. So Sutherland is like, wow, this is. <laughs> some bullshit. Mrs. Priestley has tons of energy because she doesn't want anyone taking advantage of Ann Walker unless it's her. And so she's like, listen, we know what you're up to and we're leaving. And of course he's sounding like, but, but can't we all still be friends? And that's when the door gets slammed on the carriage and then he's like watching them just ride off. Right. And then Ann goes to hug her sister and say goodbye. And that's when she sets it up to be like, you know, sorry I didn't tell you sis about writing to Aunt Ann. I just didn't want to be a bother. And so she sets up that whole storyline there. So that's Sutherland can openly accuse his wife.
type of like conspiring against him. I mean, he tried every card in the book. He was like, wait, do you think this is wise? Moving, moving an unstable girl from an environment that she has familiarity with. And this I mean, is actually Mrs. Priestley is like, ooh, imagine that. Imagine having an opinion of any kind <laughs> when you haven't sought out any medical advice, motherfucker. And he's like, okay, 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 calm down, calm down. But I feel like her next line was about to be, but start like she was really no, upset yeah, she's yeah. ready to curse his name and lose all manner of propriety so that is my girl getting out of danger I was I was happy we see the carriage ride off but then he does this weird thing where he shoulder checks one of her puffy sleeves and I had issue with the fact that he thought that he could just do that well you know we end with one of the strongest lines we get from Anne Walker in that scene where she says it's my decision from now on when it comes to me it is my decision she is exerting her agency her acknowledgement of knowing what she wants now and what she doesn't want and that is so key to the perplexed baby gay Anne Walker we had in earlier episodes where she couldn't quite figure out permanently it seemed like what she wanted one day she is, yes, I want to do the marriage, the gay marriage, that is. The next day she's like, I don't know, the head way is the only way. What if they won't leave me alone? And, and so I for was... someone who was so back and forth, like the fruit basket, with a note that she said to Anne Ooh. Lister, this is major improvement, major growth, understanding your own desires and your wants and what you want for your future. And so super powerful moment for Anne Walker and you love to see it. Oh, and in a carriage, she was like, yeah, well, I want an appointment with Dr. Bell coming your and Mr. Priest is like, I mean, yeah, we could we could do that, but you know, there are other doctors that you know may also be equally qualified. She cuts one. She's like, no, I want him. That's what I want. That's what I said. That's what I want. And Mr. Priest is like, oh, oh yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yep. And Walker just exerting more of her power, and we love it. Honestly, how can we not love these scenes? Then Ann Walker is like, um, anybody? Um, just wondering, has anyone heard anything from about perhaps adjacent to Miss Lister? And I feel like Miss Priestley's eyes roll all the way to the back of her head mm-hmm. before they come back around. She's like, oh, that bitch in Copenhagen. And not only <laughs> is she in Copenhagen, and it's for the whole fucking rest of the season. She's not coming back anytime soon. She's there for the winter, and then she's going to St. Petersburg and fucking Moscow, bitch. You're not going to see her. So this is actually great. Just so you know, there will be no grumbling for you when you get back to Halifax. No grumbling for you and none for me, which is how it should be. It's how it should fucking be. And Anne's just like, no. <laughs> and then I feel like Mr. Priestley chimes in to be like, oh, I'm so glad this silly business with Analista is over. And it's like, that queer business, it will never be over. Never. As long as the legacy of the O remains, it will never be over. And then after that bit about silly business, there's like a bump on that hella bumpy road. I'm like, what about Ann Walker's back, y'all? This is why. This is why. And the bump in the road helps to reveal that she has scars on her wrist. And of course, we know what those scars are for. But both Mr. and Mrs. Priestley are shocked to shit. And of course, they're curious about it. But Anne quickly says that it's nothing. Mind your business. And let's move the fuck on. So this brings us to, uh, well, a deleted moment where... It's Anne. She's she's not looking her pristine best because she's been doing lots of traveling. She is intending to write a note to her aunt and about, you know, the situation. And she does some quick maths three quarters of the way through the note to realize that by the time this note were to get sent, that she would more than likely arrive at the same time as the note and ends up uh, chucking the note altogether. And then also maybe losing her lunch. Yeah, let's run through the clip really quickly. My dear Marion, you do right not to tell my aunt I am returning. She'll only fret. Horrible weather. We made excellent time to Hamburg and boarded the Columbine, a 400-ton vessel, at 9 o'clock on Friday night. 
and at ten past seven the next morning, we got underway, but have since been forced by high winds into the That bed looks really uncomfortable. It's not even a bed. It's like a coast. swinging hammock cot We thing. are further delayed as the ship broke from its moorings and the bowsprit smashed. The sea is awash with wreckage from other vessels, so I know not now when we are you, Just hiding. But as soon as we land in Gravesend, I will write to you again and let you know when to expect me. In fact, the soonest I can probably post this present letter to you is when we arrive in Gravesend. In which case, it probably wouldn't arrive at Shipton any sooner than I will. <laughs> Yo, that fourth God wall break. It. She's like, throw out this fucking letter and hit the camera with it. It has been a rough trip, and we can tell. Doesn't look especially comfortable. Yeah, no, it doesn't look like it smells the best either. Yep. Oh, and there's the seasickness. Yeah, so that is the deleted scene. And it just provides a little more insight into just the state of affairs and had to subject herself to, to get herself back to her aunt, ideally before she would never see her again, which probably means you would do whatever it takes. You're like, I'm taking the first boat. I'm taking whatever seat or room or space is available because I need to get back now. And so comfort and anemones aren't the thing. It's quickness. And from Ann Lister's aesthetic, you can tell she's been through it. So does that scene uh, then line us up with, uh, is it Anne getting off of the ship? Well, I think the next scene naturally in the cut after that for at least HBO is Anne waking up in her vintage Cossack hat sleeping in this wheelbarrow contraption slash cot slash bed thing. And she's woken up by a manservant who lets her know that they've crossed the sea and that it's basically yes. time to get off the ships. Yes. And then she disembarks with Eugenie and dude and it's nighttime and we can tell they are tired. Shit looks haggard. But I kind of like Anne's look here. I mean, I'm digging it. So I just I'm not mad at it. She looks tired, but I'm not mad at the look at all. I think it's pretty, pretty great. She's got the low pony going on and she informs her servants that they should be in Halifax in no time. And they're just like, whatever the fuck. I can't <laughs> believe we did this, bitch. I'm so unhappy right now. And then after there, I think we're playing I Spy in the carriage on the way back to Crow's Nest. Oh, is that what that's called? I thought it was the Georgian version of Punch Buggy or whatever. I mean, these car driving that. games. Because you said word find or whatever, but they were all they were going with C's. Right, right. So what so, is that game well, called? Well, it's like I Spy. Like I Spy with my little eyes, yeah, something right. that begins with, and then you do a letter. And then, so you got to just name everything that you can see, whatever letter that they said until you get to the right answer. Oh, yeah. And then the person who guesses it gets to pick their own thing with their own letter, and then other people do that. Well, I kind of feel like Ann Walker did in the scene. I'm not interested in playing because <laughs> right. I'm not. <laughs> I was mad at what she picked because it ended up being something like, Lord, cumulonimbus or whatever. But her husband already said clouds. And she was like, well, you're warm. Like, no, he's not warm. He's he's right. What he picked was clouds. And you pick a cloud. That's what you pick. He's warm. Yeah, I think she said cumulonimbus, which is a type of cloud associated with like rain, I feel like, and thunderstorms. And to be honest, I'm not going to hate on Mrs. Priestley for that, because if you're going to make me play some ridiculous word game like that, where it's just guessing, I'm going to try and have you guess the most ridiculous <laughs> word that begins. So that's why she was winning. That's why she won. And for that, I'm like, way to go, Mrs. Priestley, because how else are you supposed to play that game? Car? Carriage? Like, <laughs> what? That's not any fun. The person's going to get the answer right away. So I actually like that it was so extra, but I also like the way Ann Walker rolled her eyes, because she probably knew that's how Mrs. 
Miss Priestley played a game. She was like, last time I played with you, you did this ridiculous shit. And that's why I don't want to play again. Because she popped that nut or whatever she's eating her mouth like, whatever. You know, this is how I roll. <laughs> My vocabulary is extensive. I've read a lot of books. I know a lot of synonyms. So we see Anne, she's basically doing the groom's work. Because the groom is unconscious. And so is Eugenie. They're tired. It's hilarious, though, because when they get to Shibden, she's just like, get out. You're ridiculous, the pair of you fucking bastards. I should fire you both. How was it I did this? This was like a day of writing. I mean, I don't know. It just seemed like it was a long time of writing. Oh, and I'm she sure. was the one doing it while they were on each other's fucking shoulders and shit, catching a good sleep. So maybe not the best sleep, because again, those cushions back then, those roads, I don't know. But so, even still. Of course, the groom jumps out and then she tries to help Eugenie down. And of course, Eugenie's... A la episode one, Eugenie's like, losing her lunch. Eugenie's like my chihuahua, Cupid. He just, if he's in a car, something moving like that, he's going to throw up eventually. There's just no saving him. And Anne, well, we won't say that there wasn't concern, but without a tact, she's like, oh, you're not pregnant again, are you? And I'm like, shade, shade, Alyssa, shade. And she's like, really with him? The person who I've been telling you has, we're not speaking. We don't get along. I just... This was a horrible trip for me, Alistair. But, you know, she just basically said, not likely, not with him. Eugenie says she had not been smashed <laughs> in at least 10 fortnights. <laughs> Whatever that is. How long right. is a fortnight? I, I really don't know. 40 days, I want to say, but that's wrong. Two weeks. Two weeks. All right, so she was like, two dozen fortnights. It's been a minute, <laughs> and it's definitely been half a year. So we cut to inside Shibden. We see Aunt Anne, who's perfectly adorable, because she is being told, look who's home. It's, according to to marry your favorite niece and that's Ann Lister <laughs> and she's all shaky and cute and Ann Lister immediately jumps up the fucking stairs two by two and Aunt Ann can't believe that they fucking wrote her because she's like why the fuck are you here why is you here? I'm so happy to see you, but why is you here? And they're like, basically, I thought you were dying. I thought you were dying. And Dr. Kenny and Marion in the corner like, um, um, well, I mean, yeah, we did. We did. We did write that letter. We did. And then Aunt Ann's like, he's an idiot. And then Alyssa's like, well, yeah, truly, naturally. You know that's what I think. You you know how to make a girl feel welcome. And she's like, well, you know what? I need to get out of all these things. I've been rained on. I've been I've been sweating. I've been up all night, and I really need to visit the necessary. So just give me, like, five minutes or so. I'll be right back. Give her a kiss on the hand and the cheek and on the face. And she's like, Dr. Kenny, I would like to speak to you downstairs. <laughs> um, now. Yeah, she's got a tight grit going on with her teeth. And downstairs, she basically hems up and assaults Dr. Kenny by yoking him up and throwing him against the library wall. And I was living my best life for this scene. She talks about how she risked her life and that of her servants. And I'm like, you sure enough did that. <laughs> what is it? She says, do you have any idea of what it's like to cross the Dolph Sea at this time of oh, year? Yeah. And you can just hear where she says year. She's like, she's Whew. She has been through it. I think the necessary on the ship itself was probably lacking. Judging from that wheelbarrow that she was in. At, in that, the fucking, at that point, Lord. Even Kenny the steerage, needed the necessary. I don't know. It just did not look like a good situation. I, I wrote to you in good faith, Miss Lista. And now I need a change of pants. Yeah, he was like, I was just trying to do the right thing. Damn, I was just trying to make sure your aunt didn't die. And if she did, that you would get to see her one last time. But Anne is not trying to hear any of that. She eventually does release Digrypto because he was like, ma'am, uh... <laughs> I can't breathe. <laughs> Ma'am, if you could just so please. He's just left there on red. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, let's talk for a second, though, about Anne's whole aesthetic in this scene from when she got off the ship to jaunting back to Shibden to see her aunt and family to how she has hung up Dr. Kenny. It is some of the best gay energy, I think. We've oh, seen from Anne sure. Lister through the series. I like the hair down. I like it a little messy. It looks like you've been through a thing or two, and that's not a bad look to me. I like that all of this aggressive energy is coming out. <laughs> 
that she has put the fear of God into Dr. Kenny. feel like he should have had it already since he was perving on Ann Walker in episode one. In my mind, he hasn't left the library. Like he was, <laughs> he's just there. And he's like, what do I do? How do I get out of this house without letting people know that I have ruined my garments? Right. And so I just can't speak enough or speak highly enough about Ann Lista's low pony situation and this Sort of like gallant, I don't know, kind of soldier type situation. I feel like I talked about this on the Patreon last year where I was like, I'm not, I mean, I feel like me with colonial type aesthetics or just that whole type of soldier shit isn't my natural jaunt. Why would I be into it? Doesn't make any sense. But on Ann Lister, those types of cuts and jackets and things, they are definitely working, you guys. So Ann ends up back upstairs after, you know, she took her five minutes. She never changed clothes. And she's basically just there in the bed together. And she's asking if she's heard any news about Ann Walker at all. And um, on Ann, she hasn't uh, heard back since, I guess, last she's heard. She's not heard at all. Ann Walker's not wrote any letters. There's been uh, no correspondence. That's part of the sadness. There's there's nothing. Then she wonders aloud if Mariana was right about her, like, always being on the run. Although, also, you know, the top, the queen also wondered the same thing. And so did uh, Sophie. They well, I don't know if they wondered. They they caught her on the run. Oh. So I don't know if they had the, you know, the space to be like, this is what she does. They just were able to tell this is what she's doing right now. Mm. Sophie was like, you're on the run from a man, a woman, a lady. And then, of course, the queen of Denmark was like, oh. So you're on the run from a broken heart. And so I just think she was exposing herself out there in Denmark, in those Denmark streets, those Danish streets. She should be happy to be back in Halifax where less people can read her to filth. But yes, she she does say that line to Aunt Anne where she is like, you know, I wonder if Mariana is right. And she's like, right about what, bitch? She's like that I'm always on the run from dot, 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 disappointment. And it's like, yeah, Anne, maybe there's some relevancy to that. But before they can really get into that shit, Marion interrupts saying that the captain wants to see her when she got a moment. And from there, we cut to Anne jaunting down the stairs two by two <laughs> once again with that fabulous kind of soldier gay energy she has going on. Very handsome jaunt. And her cravat is undone. It's looking great. But Daddy Lister has beef. He has issues with Anne. He's about to let it be known because he wants to talk numbers. And the fact that things are looking bad, they're looking weird. They're not lining up with what she said in the five minutes before she left to go on her trip. And he just comes out and he's like, um, so could we talk about what the math is doing? Because the math is a math thing for me. And I just feel like if you inform me about your math, maybe we could align the maths and get it together. And she's basically like, oh, yeah, that's the thing. OK, so she was complicated and I had to borrow some money. Yeah, of course, he was like, well, to sink the pit. He was like, well, where are the deeds to Shipton? And I was like, oh, you just cut, you cut right to the chase, aren't you, Captain Lister? So information comes out about how the sinking of the pit has been failing because an old tunnel was run into, the ship was flooded, and Anna's trying to stress that if she could just sink this pit, like, everything would be good. Like, if I could just accomplish the sinking of the pit, right. it'll like, be great. She's trying to prove the trespass. Like, I, I like, I get what she's trying to do, but... Uh... And he's like, but if you don't do it in a lot of time, bitch, like, if you don't do it in a lot of time, because apparently, apparently... You put Shibden up as collateral, and I can't believe you did that. And it's weird because the energy that Marion was giving her just an episode ago about her imagining and gallivanting across who knows where while the deeds to Shibden are in Rawson's bank after she, you know, was uh, verbally assaulted by a very surly Mr. Rawson. So to just see that that exact thing potentially could be happening literally right now and only the captain knows about it is... Uh, 
it's, it's the captain's probably the only one that needs to know right now. So Marion could just have a, a breakdown, a fit. No, right, right. I don't think she'd be very happy about it at all because she'd be like, our shipped in. You just gave up by yourself. And that's not cool. And unfortunately, at the end of this exchange where Captain Lister makes it very clear that he is not confident about what's happening with the sinking of the pit and that he definitely does not agree with Ann Lister putting up shipped in as collateral. And he calls her an idiot. Yeah. Which I, I don't like I, I because like don't it. do that. I didn't like But it. the look on Ann Lister's face is like, I don't like that. But at the same time, while she's not liking it, she feels like a culpability because there there were some poorly made decisions and that we could have went about a different way. And so instead of hanging out with her dad, she bounces. She's like, bitch, I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. And he's like, where are you going? She's like, elsewhere. Uh, Joseph, Joseph, I need you to... <laughs> I need you to take a letter somewhere because I got shit to do. It's good to see the the booths about. (laughs) The letter to Washington. That's where she was like, you need to take this letter to Washington. But from there, I think we cut back to our baby gay and... Walker and she is back in those blue sleeves of thirst. I mean, you guys already know she was at those blue sleeves of thirst when she was leaving Scotland with her gondola pin, which we all know what that's about. The last time we saw that shit, it was in one of the saddest scenes when they were saying goodbye and she was going off to live with her sister in Scotland anyway. And so she is there. She's back home. It feels familiar. She jaunts right up to the bed where she's had all those lovely memories and those lovely O's. And as she's sitting in the room thinking about those O's, the most recent O comes back to her, which, of course, was that heartbreaking scene with Anne Lister crying, talking about, but you came so close. You came so close. I was like, I didn't need to hear that. Yeah, she didn't need to hear it because she's reliving it in the room. And she's like, I can't deal with this. What I need to do is do something right now to see about how I can get back in touch with Anne, try to fix this shit. Get back on my O's. And so she's like, fuck it. Just jump in the Bugatti. Yep. Jump in the Bugatti. Let's go over to Shibden and see what's cracking. Don't it feel good to have access to your things, Sam Walker? I hope it does. And they're off. And then uh, we get to, what is, is this quarterly? Yeah, All bloody. Accordingly. Lord. It's pretty so gross. She's cutting through it's the pretty disgusting. And uh, it's Enough to make you a vegetarian or a vegan watching Lord. accordingly mess with that. What was that? A, a baby pig? What was that that she was cutting? I don't know. And of course, they're knocking on the door. There's no Booth to answer the door. I would, oh, because Booth is delivering the letter. That's so. It's He's delivering the letter to Washington. Yeah, right. he can only do one thing at a time. It's true. It's true. So, poor Cordelisa. She's gets to the door and she's like, oh. Because it's 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 walking them. Miss walking them is like, oh, mom, what's going on? Is anyone in a Miss Lister's father or anyone, Marion? Do they then cut to like the they're not in the kitchen anymore. So they cut. Well, to, she just she kind of jaunts like Ann Lister all the way through. She's on a mission. Yeah. She got a flashback to the O's. She got a flashback to when she should have probably said something. And she said nothing because she was just taking it all in. And that is that we came so close. And she's just trying to get the ball rolling. And I understand that when you're just like there's been so much waiting and pausing and just like not having of stuff in Scotland that once she's back in Halifax, there's no point in wasting time. Right. It's like, I just need to keep moving this ball forward. And that ball is getting back together with Anne or at least letting her know that this is how I'm feeling right now. This is how I'm doing. And I want to be with her. And so she just goes through the thing and surprises the shit out of Marion and mm-hmm. Captain Lister, who Captain Lister, I feel like he was on his eighth nap or in between his eighth nap. <laughs> and Marion was just chilling. And they're like, oh, shit, Miss Walker, crow's nest, bitch, what you do here? So she's like, oh, I'm not trying to impose not trying to bother y'all anything. Um, I was just wondering, Anne's in Copenhagen, right? Could I just get her address to like, you know, where she is over there? Because I just, I need to write her some things, lots of things. I need to, I just need, I need to talk to her. So if I could just, <laughs> if I could just get that address from you guys, I would really, 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 really appreciate it. Marion fucks her Marion has like... the best look. She's like, oh, she's not in Copenhagen. Right. I don't and, know what that accent and is. Miss Wal- but... And Miss Walker was like, 
what? She's, she's here. here, right? She's yeah. here. And then she's like, well, well, not not here. Like she was here. Like she's away. But we first have to talk about that breathy. I can't believe it. Yeah, that no. we get from Ann Walker because no. it's like an exhale of what the fuck are you saying to me? Right. No. I right. was prepared to get an address, not prepared to hear that Ann Lister was like on the continent. Like she's here. Like she's in this landmass that we call Britain. What the fuck? Yeah. And she's like, well, where did you say she went? Like, she was like, I need... She's like, give me the, uh, right. the info. The info. Uh, now, the info. Now, the info. <laughs> don't need to send... Don't send a fucking servant. I can do it my goddamn self. And she does. Because after that, we cut to Ann Lister down at her pit. And she's being told by Washington that it's fucked up. It's really fucked up. It could still work, of course. It just needs hella money thrown at it. And Ann is basically like, oh, I, um, <laughs> money thrown at it. <laughs> Listen, Washington, I need time to consider my fucking options because money, money is... Is not one of those fucking options that I have. So thank you for these updates, but you can go ahead and get the fuck out of here. And before Washington leaves, he's basically like, good to have you back, ma'am. And she's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> because she's she's stressed out. And once Washington is a safe distance away from the pit, Ann Lister does what I feel like is a really necessary scream into the void. I don't know if anyone's oh, ever yeah. screamed into a void. It doesn't have to be a chasm or a valley or just like a room. It can, any place that feels void-like, regardless of whether or not a bunch of people can hear you scream or none because I've never let that bother me. Like, Candace, people can hear you. So what? A good scream is what I need. That's what I'm going to do. And that's what Ann Lester needed because it was like, it was L after L after L. The only W in there is the fact that her aunt's not dying. But right. everything else was a succession of L's. She was right. just like, okay. She was like, I, I was so close to proving this trespass. And the one thing that could ruin my chances will be flooding. And And guess what? The rock that she tossed okay, in there. At the same time, it was like Kl-plunk. at the same time, people told her. They were like, and now's not the time to travel. A lot of people told her, they're like, oh, so you sinking a pit and shit? It's funny how, like, when we first started talking about this, you were talking about how you need to be around to supervise. And then things happened in Sappho land. And suddenly, you need to observe a damn thing. Yep. And what has happened in your time of not observing? Everything's gone to shit. People have gotten injured. All the extra money has been spent. And course. writing letters isn't sufficient. And so, <laughs> like, I feel like Anne was screaming because she knew she fucked up. She was like, damn, bitch. Like, I could have... Like, I could have sank this later or something or wait till I come back to sink the bed. Like, this is not this working This is why out. I have to keep my eyes on the men. As soon as I take my eyes off the men, something happens. And that seems like that's what's going on. She can't keep her eye on every I mean, man ish, all the time. Ish. She should have never gave up the deeds to ship in. Like, no, that's, well, yeah. that's, no, no, that's you, not, you're right. that's not what you that's, do. That was it's not what you do. That's, yeah, bad for I'm her. still mad it's she true. did it. No. It's not what you do. Yeah. And I yeah. feel like she's talking to herself like, that's not what you do, bitch. That's not what you do. I know you were. You were distraught. You were hurt. I guess Mariana was right. You went away. Like, because why did I make this ridiculous decision to put up Shibden, the ancestral home I can never shut the fuck up about? And it saddens me. And that's all of the Every energy day. that was in that screen Every that day. she let out that was felt by all who had ears to hear. I'm sure Washington heard it, but was like, you know, let me just mind my business. <laughs> let me just mind my business. But also who might have heard it, depending on, well, the way it was cut, it's hard to really say. But who might have heard it would be uh, Ann Walker, who was heading up to that pit site to try to figure it's out which direction to go. I mean, I don't feel like there was much going on in Halifax in that era. So I feel like the sound was traveling in those rural parts, like, 
how many people were screaming at a given time. Probably not many. Right. And so I want to I want to believe that it carried. That's one of my head cannons anyway. Because in the very next scene, baby gay Anne walks up with her sleeves of thirst fully replenished mm-hmm. from like the beginning of the series, and she's just like. And <laughs> right. she was drinking in the vision because she had to like realize this is really she's really here. It was she was still in uh, disbelief the, the whole time. All right. Which Anne are you referring to? Oh, um, Anne Walker, when she was approaching Anne Lister and seeing her there, like physically in front of her, like she drank it in that she was there before she even uttered a word. And when she finally did see Anne and you see Anne Lister turn, she also is looking like this is not it's like when you're given a gift by like a deity like a god bestows a thing to you like it's it's like there's no words for what's happening right now i feel like we get a a good lord or something from from alistair just noticing the fact that uh ann walker is there because that that's of of all the visions to have here in this moment where she's feeling not at her highest like to be able to see ann walker is like quit playing with me like is this am i malnourished are these mirages am i is it the vapors like is something going on like what i definitely feel like for ann lister it's more of a a type of is this a mirage is this because nothing of that makes any sense for me ann walker's Anne is more of like a a gasp of like disbelief relief and impatience because in the next you know few minutes after that she just kind of has like word vomit she explodes everything she's been thinking onto and lister and for someone who doesn't really talk very often which i think i've said before in a previous episode when she's around other people she has a heck of a lot to say around and lister and it seems like you know she could sometimes spend all day waiting to talk to and lister because well that's probably an aspect of people not really being interested in what the fuck she has to say in her family and stuff but then also like her her connection so it feels like that gasp is like a sigh of relief like you're actually here and and Lister's thing is like, yo, what? Huh? How did you wait a minute? Aren't Am I in- seeing things? <laughs> because that's the way she that's the way she delivers those lines when, you know, she's like after Ann Walker's like, I thought you were in Copenhagen. That's what Priestley said when we was in a carriage. And Anna's like, I am. I was. <laughs> wait a minute. Aren't you supposed to be in Scotland? Why are you asking me questions? Let me ask the questions. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. And then that's when Anne Walker starts her spiel of like, look, I didn't know that you'd written from Paris. Like, they didn't tell me. But here's all this drama because my sister did eventually tell me. Like, eventually she did. But you know what? Actually, let me just tell you about her marriage real quick. It's a sham. It's fucked up. As a matter of fact, I think she's scared of him. I think she's scared of her husband, which is pretty fucking shitty because who wants to be scared of their partner? And she just has, like, word vomit. And I love the way Saran plays, like, the motion switch that Anne Lister has of, like, of that thing of, like, you're back to being as comfortable as you were just speaking to me. But at the same time, I'm still having a hard time with the fact that you were standing right here in front of my face. And and there's a lot of great body language with Ann Walker coming closer to Ann Lister in instances and Ann Lister backing up to maintain uh, yes. space and her own like safety of herself, of her heart, of all those things, which makes perfect sense given what has happened in the past several months. And so she finishes saying that she doesn't think Sutherland is very nice and that she thinks that he destroyed the letter that she wrote and that even though she didn't think of it at the time, she definitely feels like her sister was married by this dude because he wanted her money and now she's fucking miserable oh and that's when Aunt gives a line about well that's the trouble with like being rich that you don't know who's can't like, be sure of people's motives right. and it's like tongue-in-cheek reference and lista because you you totally started out this courtship in that similar way but i feel like also in this scene Ann walker is just sort of like also saying to Anne, like okay i was exposed to the headness i seeped 
what the het people are up to. And I feel like I've seen what is supposed to be my het future with my sister. And I don't want that. I was about to accept that shit because I thought there were no other options. But I realize now that is the opposite of what I want. And I can now identify within myself what it is I do want, what it is I don't want, what it is I'm willing to accept, and what it is I'm not willing to accept, which I feel like is so key for the character development of Anne Walker in the show. But of course, just like her as a human from what we know in the diaries and whatnot. And I'm happy that she found an outlet to, you know, voice all this too, because who can we imagine aside from Alyssa could hear all this and take it seriously? Like, I just, it was good overall that she was able to get all that out. So Ann Walker brings up that Elizabeth mentions about Ann Lister, that sometimes often a good friendship is better than a marriage. And of course, we see Ann Lister physically react to this. It's hard to really, really say what uh, Ann Lister's feeling about what she's hearing, because it sounds like she's being chose, but at the same time, it sounds like she's not being chose. So it's like, but what does this mean? What does this mean? It's interesting seeing the way Sally set it up, because... Well, for Ann Walker, especially because we've not really seen this very often with her, she's being very deliberate just about her choices and her agency, which is a welcome change from some of the other stuff we were seeing from her. And I feel like when she says that, you know, that line to Ann Lister, it's kind of hilarious because to me, that's part of like Ann Walker's charm that she's kind of like discombobulated with her emotion. She just lets it fly out of her in whatever order they come in. And so she could probably have worded this differently or done it in a different way. But because she was just like, here are my emotions on display. I'm putting it out that and her just recounting these things to Anne, the way it comes out is super fucking, is super fucking horrible because oh, it yeah. sounds platonic. She's like, look, I'm back here. I mean, I feel like what it sounds like to Anne, based on how Saran plays the scene, is that it sounds like she's like, look, I'm back here and I've decided a good friendship is better than a marriage. Right. And Anne is like, okay, bitch, but you know what I don't need is another fucking friend. Right. I have a lot of friends. Lady Stewart, Lady Gordon. I don't need more friends. I need a fucking wife. And so the way that her countenance drops is totally indicative of like, let me prepare myself for heartbreak. You really came all the way back here from Scotland just to break my heart on this hill. God damn you. Anne Walker, why are you so pretty? I feel like all that stuff was happening in Anne's head. <laughs> no, like, this right. is right. This is assault. This is violence. This is abuse. I don't know why. I didn't sign up for this shit. I didn't sign up to be this immersed and foregone for this lady, this woman. Of course, Anne Walker notices the change in uh, the spirits of Alistair. She's like, well, are you all right? And she's like, well, I mean, I tried to sink a pit. It collapsed, flooded. I mean, I took a gamble. And then she does a, there's a like, saying she says where it's like, um, are we not alive? Something, yeah, are we not alive if, if we're not taking the odd risk every now and again? Of course, there's weight to that because there's a lot that Ann Lister has been risking and still is risking even just uh, entertaining this conversation with Ann Walker who seems to be trying to befriend Ann Lister again being away for as long as she has been. And what's important for me at least about Ann asking are you all right is that we've had a number of instances in the series now from both Mary Marion and Ann Walker and other people who have asked Ann Lister if she's all right. And she generally replies that she is. I'm always Or all of right. course that she's <laughs> all right. Or she just doesn't respond. Right. And so in this moment where it appears Ann is perhaps out of her control in a more vulnerable place, given all the things that have gone wrong in the past 24 to 48 hours, that she answers Anne honestly. She doesn't say that she's always all right. She doesn't say like, oh, don't worry about it. Oh, it's fine. Like when she observed and had those bruises on her face. She's like, actually, bitch, no! I'm, you know, now that you've asked, I'm not. I'm not. Um, So I went to sing a pit. You know about that. I mentioned it to you. Then I yelled at you. I don't want your damn money for the pit. And so, you know, I had to get the money from somewhere. And uh, I made a bad decision. <laughs> it's actually fucking me up right now. I'm, I'm crying on the inside. But, you know, it's a, what is life, bitch? What is life if we're not out here taking risks, right? 
<laughs> That's Anne trying to talk herself into the shit. She's like, I'm trying to reaffirm this for myself. I'm trying to reaffirm the reason why I did this. Apply some logic to my ridiculous actions because my daddy called me an idiot. And I don't like that. I don't want to be called an idiot by any man, no, right, especially right. my dad who can't even handle money, as we know, according to the diary entries and just reality of her inheriting Shibden. That felt like she goes on and she's asking, uh, well, she, I don't know if she's feeling the weight of like all that time that they were in contact. So after Anne says that line of we're not alive, are we? If we're not taking the odd risk. And Walker replies with a smile on her face, no, no, we're not. And what's great about that is that Anne Walker is taking the odd risk. She's taking the odd risk, especially for her, to get the fuck out of Scotland. She's taking the odd risk to just show the fuck up at Shibden. And she's taking the odd risk to put herself out there, her wants and her desires, which is not the Anne Walker that we have been privy to for most of the series. And in this sense, she takes a physical step towards Anne yet again to be like, yes, this is me. I feel like for what the show is trying to put forth, Sally and everyone else, that that was a physical parallel to what was happening emotionally, that she's physically taking this step towards Anne to be like, yeah, odd risk. Me, risking it all to you right now. Can we be girlfriends again? Wives, fiancés? But yeah. So yeah, Anne Walker takes those steps forward and they feel like they're an attempt to assuage or reassure that Anne very much still feels like a squirrely kitty cat or whatever that's like stressed out to be in a room. Like, why are you getting closer to me? Why am I feeling these waves? And Anne Walker's doing her best to just be like, calm it day. Just calm down. Right. Let me just get closer to like, you. Let's... Let me just try to reassure you in the ways that you are clearly still confused about why the fuck I'm here. And so even though Ann Walker is walking up and she seems to have a, a fantastic degree of confidence we've not yet seen, I also feel like it's a little bit unsure because she's not heard from Ann Lister. She's not seen this letter, even though Elizabeth said it was affectionate. Of course, it's different for someone to say something is affectionate than to read it yourself and imbue whatever you imbue about whatever your you know private things exist between you and the person writing the letter. And so I feel like there's a great deal of unsureness happening with Ann Walker. Like, is she happy that I'm here? She keeps moving back. She's still being apprehensive. Is this something that can still happen? Like, does she still want me? Does she still love me? Did she miss me? Did she even think about me? Have I been on a bitch mind? And so what I love about the very next line from Anne Lister, which is probably provoked by the fact that Ann Walker got closer. She's like, God damn, those papers. When those papers get closer, because that's when we hear the line, right? Where she's like, God, I've missed you. After she takes a good look at Ann Walker, a little bit closer, a little more in focus. And she's like, damn, still got those sleeves of thirst, still got the gondola, still looking like you. <sighs> I think I can smell the scent now. You're too close. God, I missed you. And the relief on Ann Walker's face in that moment where she's like, you did? <laughs> I feel like I was ready to cry because I was like, she did. She really did. She did. Like she we did. Test, she really seen. fucking did. We've seen it. We saw how she fucking galloped across the dance floor with Sophie just because she really didn't want to do her mm -hmm. feelings. <laughs> it's such a beautiful scene. I was like, any, every, all thoughts that might have been had about Ann Walker being trepidatious about approaching Ann Lister were confirmed with her breathy have you. And it's kind of heartbreaking because you can tell it was just like probably the most stressful thing as she was in her carriage traveling back to Halifax and why she didn't want to fucking name any clouds is because the only thing on her mind was, is this over? Is it completely over? She fucking wrote a letter yeah. six weeks ago that I didn't see, that I didn't respond to. And God, and in her letters, to not respond to her letters, she probably thinks I hate her. Right. Um, and so that would cause a lot of apprehension. And then to have confirmation, you know, from the person live and in color, 3D that they did miss you 
in the way that Ann Lister delivers the line, which feels kind of reluctant initially, but like she can't help herself. Like she's trying to steal herself. She's trying to guard herself because she's not exactly sure what Ann Walker is doing back here. But at the same time, the bitch has gone closer. The vapors are getting in and she can't help but express, God, I really missed you because... What else am I going to say when you're this few feet away from me? I mean, it must be intense for Ann Lister to stand so close to her. The portrait of pure happiness that she thought that her forever, essentially. And I mean, the state in which they're there in each other's presence is like, well, it's a big question mark. Well, I mean, just think about any time you've been long distance, even if it's not, you don't know what's going on there. Like, to me, that's stressful. Like, if you, especially if you were intimate with someone and we know the way that they ended the whole shit, like it was a really melodramatic night of grubbles and drama the night before. There are dramatic cuddles the next day. There are tears, single Denzel Mm -hmm. tears coming down faces while Anne Walker, suddenly the big spoon, comforting little spoon and Lister. And then, oh, here's the gondola. Here's the hug. Here are the tears. Here's whatever. And so I feel like, at least for me, that even if, you know, something happened in the interim that makes things unsure, if you spent all this like basically every day with somebody cuddling, kissing up on them, whatever, and then time passes and you suddenly they're right back in your face and there's not a hug. There's not any immediate physical contact. I feel like there's a certain manner of tension that's there. Probably between both persons, but especially Ann Lister, because she's the one I feel like in the scene with the mandate to really protect herself because she doesn't know what the fuck is going on. And there have been a lot of questions asked to Miss Walker and (laughs) only one fruit basket, but a whole lot of shenanigans. A whole lot of shenanigans. Lord. So Ann Lister reaches off Ann Walker's hand and gives it a kiss. Yes, and I feel like this is a parallel to the first time we see this happen with Ann Lister, which is at the Shomia. Where we are having our first kiss. Last first kiss, you know, as people say. Do people say that? I feel like people say that. And Anne was going through such a routine of like care and delicacy. I was about to say chivalrous. Chivalrous. It was charming as fuck. But what's nice about how this happens in this scene is that, I mean, Anne Lister pretty deftly flips that wrist. It was like the flip of a wrist that has been flipped many times before, which is a great contrast to the Chaumière, where it was very clearly the first time. And this was reminiscent of a whole lot of times I've been doing this. And then when she finally kisses the hand, it is a different kiss from what we see in the Chaumière. It feels more impassioned in a certain kind of way, maybe a little bit desperate. And I just mean in the sense that like I've been waiting and or wanting to do this for quite some time and wow your skin's still soft <laughs> all mixed up together well if Alice ain't got nothing else she definitely got game she does and we're still seeing cues from Ann Walker that mirror their initial interactions and I feel like I've said this before that I feel like innately Ann Walker knows that Ann Lister likes to lead that she's comfortable in that category and so it feels like in this scene she's giving visual cues with her eyes and her body language to be like I could take a kiss on the hand I could take a kiss on the cheeks or elsewhere Ann Lister I could take an embrace I don't know if you're catching these gay vibes but if I could just let me move a step closer (laughs) like I just feel like she's trying to let her know in all the ways that she can to be like this is okay this is an invitation this is consent and and i know you are very concerned with consent i've not read your diary but i just i know <laughs> i be knowing things so after this kiss which is pretty fucking charming and chivalrous and classically romantic in a certain kind of way and lister i spies what the priestlies i spied during their i spy game and that is her scar from when she injured herself in a 
Well, the show doesn't really specify if it's a direct attempt, but just how things can evolve when your mental state is not in the best way. And immediately, Annalise just like, oh my God, which, you know, I feel like that would be me because if someone I knew and cared about, even if we weren't in a relationship together, had that kind of like life altering situation and I didn't know and I just came upon it, I just happened upon it without someone informing me, I would feel away. It's like back when Ann Lister accidentally broke, what was it? The, uh, the paper knife. The paper knife, right. And she got the handkerchief to kind of dress the wound. So it's just like, well, now you got a boo-boo and I can't wait for you to tell me all about it because you're going to tell me about it, right? Like you're going to let me know what happened and why and what and how and, and what and who and what. Yeah. And it's just another thing that shows in this scene how well they've actually gotten to know each other and their stuff, like who they actually are. Because how else is Ann Walker going to read, bitch, you're not okay. Like, you're really not okay. And even though you mostly don't answer my questions, I'm going to try this time and see what happens. And the same for Ann Lister to be like, yo, what the fuck? For this to have happened, this, this means that you are certainly in a really bad place. And I cannot believe that I did not have firsthand information that you were in this shitty place because had I known, please believe that I would have been back as quickly as possible to like be by your side and help in any way that I can, which I feel like Ann Lister was being entirely sincere about. Like we saw in previous episodes where she was like, it doesn't matter if you and I stay in a relationship, but the fact that I would help you get rid of Ainsworth, the fact that I would help you get rid of these trash people in your life is just something I would do because I care. Not just because I want you to be my wife or because I want your money and your Bugatti. Yeah, I definitely picked up on energy that Ann Lister was looking to destroy whatever force that was out there that inspired this type of blemish on her lady fair. So had she found out in that second that the captain put his hands on her, she would have been on a horse. She, Not even a carriage, just the horse going back to uh, Elizabeth's estate. Elizabeth's. Because the captain would have mysteriously vanished. Yeah. And so I love the body language in this scene. I I don't know. I'm like, was this on the Patreon? It's been a minute. Who knows? I've screamed so many places to so many people about Gentleman Jack. I can no longer recall where those comments are, <laughs> where they live. But the body language in this scene is just phenomenal. Because there's like some kind of interesting, non-choreographed dance of emotion and physicality happening there. Where the tension feels palpable. The tension from Ann Lister, once again, who from the very moment, in my opinion, that Ann Walker showed the fuck up. She was like, God damn it, I'm all. I'm still fucked up. Like, bitch, I thought I was getting a little bit past this, but I've realized now that I have the full vision of you right in front of me, I'm not over any of these things. And in fact, I'm just as vulnerable, if not more so, than I was last time I left you to go on my travels. And I feel like as Ann Walker closes the distance and, you know, now Ann Lister has kissed the wrist, they have closed, you know, the largest amount of distance so far that at this point I'm like, now kiss. Like the <laughs> meme. I'm like, don't you guys, don't you guys like just want to do the thing? And I feel like the actresses play it in the body language like they do. But because of the mentals, there's reasons not to. Particularly for Ann Lister, because she's like, um, we left on specific terms and I had specific needs. And I just, these have not yet been addressed. And so I don't necessarily feel comfortable in opening myself up to all that. I mean, we know that Ann Lister wasn't even trying to be naked without having a ring on the finger. She was like, you want to see me out of these braids, my bae? Then you put a ring on it, Take to quote Beyonce. Right. No. If you like a thing, you should have put a ring on it. That's that's Ann Lister's energy for Ann Walker in terms of the braids. But yeah, I just, I can't say enough about 
about the uh, nuanced acting here from Sophie Rundle and Saran Jones at portraying this tension between them that has only increased, I would imagine, in the months of separation and then amplified in a certain kind of way because they're now back in each other's immediate spheres. So, and Lissa asks about uh, the scar and, you know, and Walker's basically like, well, it just sort of just happened. It just happened. You know, um, it probably happened around the time where you were reaching out to me, but at the time I didn't know that you wrote, so... Oh, no, no. She's saying that that around that time is when she thinks Elizabeth wrote to Anne. So, yes. And, of course, she's like, but, you know, that detail, these details weren't in that correspondence. Because had she known... Uh, she would have, of course. She'd have been on the next, I was about to course. say jet plane. They didn't exist. Um, she would have built boat, it. Slow ass boat. She would have embraced <laughs> the future in that she, moment. I don't know. And embracing the future, she might have for Ann Walker. And then, of course, we have that fantastic line after Ann Walker's like, bitch, I don't know. I was stressed out. Life was hard. You weren't there. And Lister says, I don't think one hour past where I didn't think of you. And honestly, you could just melt out your chair. You could phase into the wall at that line. Shed a tear, perhaps a Denzel tear, single tear on your own if you're watching it. Because I was like, wow, that's a that's a line. And honestly, it has to be every single fucking thing that Ann Walker wanted confirmed in her life. Yes. Like from that first realization of you did when she was like, yeah, I am. Um, what was that phrase she uses? Oh, oh, God, I've missed you. So, yeah, when she expresses that she missed Ann Walker and she's like, wow, really? Word. For Ann Lister to follow it up a little bit later to be like, literally, I don't think there was a single hour of a single day in which you didn't cross my mind. And I'm like, those are facts. And and Walker, if you just ask the people she was hanging out with, they would tell you those are facts. And it's just so fucking adorable. Oh, yeah. It's like you don't know how much you're on the same page as someone else until they basically, you know, spill their guts. And you're like, oh, wow, same. Even though you're probably not saying same, but you're thinking, oh, wow, same. And she says it so deliberately because she like switches her stance and what she was saying prior in terms of addressing the situation that happened that the scar implies to deliberately pacing her words and looking at Walker and I to be like, do you know how much? Do Are you aware, bitch, of how much I care about you? Because in case you weren't, I feel like you weren't. Because if this happened, maybe there's a possibility that you weren't sure. And so let me just alleviate that and remind you and of if, what the reality is. Right. This was a perfect time for words of affirmation for Ann Walker because yes. she needed to feel... Like she was where she was for a reason that there was a purpose and that, you know what, that she would have been missed and not just mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. someone looking to collect next of kin affairs. Right. So it was good that she was here to soak in all the good vibes and vapors that uh, Ann Lester was putting down. <laughs> well, she definitely won those vapors. And Ann finishes saying like, I tried not to, but every time I closed my eyes, there the fuck you were. I added fuck y'all. But she's like, there the fuck you were. God damn it. With those sleeves. Or perhaps in the braids, you know, because Ann Lister has a whole Rolodex of memories to choose from. From those times in the Black Swan Inn, <laughs> what they were doing in the oh. Black, in the fucking... Oh, uh, Gruber confessions. Uh, yeah, Gruber yeah. confessions in the Bugatti. I'm just mm -hmm. saying they had a lot of a lot of great times. Cause you're everywhere to me. So when I close my eyes, oh. it's you I, I see. see. Right. Oh no. Go ahead, Alistair. She she knows how to woo a lady. Yeah. So she confirms to Ann Walker, like, bitch, I really did try. 
not to think about you. I really fucking did. But it didn't work. It was unsuccessful. But let's change lanes. Let me tell you about something I did. And I feel like this is also another adorable thing. I've probably used adorable way too many times, but I can't help it. Sorry, guys. Is that this is also attempt for us to cheer and walk her the fuck up. She's like, we just took a hard left into Sadville with this story and me not being there and you being there alone. But let's pivot to what I was up to when I was in Denmark. And let me tell you this funny story, because actually I've been waiting months or weeks, depending on how much time has passed, to tell you this fucking story, because actually the only person I want to tell this fucking story to and experience this with at the time that it was happening was you, bitch. And I figured that out when I was in Denmark alone and when I was in well, I was about that hotel with Mariana. Right, right, right. No, the whole, yeah, well, <laughs> Mariana. <laughs> miseries. Yeah, yikes. For her miseries Ugh, and her groceries. So, of course, Anne is like, look, when I was in Denmark, I met the queen of Denmark. She was cool. I went to her birthday ball because I was invited. <laughs> that was fun. Um, I cursed her to the wrong bitch. Like, you know, that happens. Food was shitty, you know, because I have taste. But, <laughs> but everything else about Denmark was incredible. And I was thinking all night that if you were there and you fucking saw me, you'd laugh. Why? Because I was in white. And not only that, I had two birds of paradise in my fucking hair. I was doing the whole head jaunt. It was ridiculous. And if you'd seen it, you'd laugh. And I feel like Ann Walker's like, I would laugh. What do you mean two birds of paradise? And that sounds absurd. I can't even imagine it. So here's the thing. My glass is empty again. <laughs> and and I have to potty. I'm sorry, guys. That's just Also, thing. we've hit our limit once again. <laughs> <laughs> For this hour. Hopefully you're vibing and you're uh, enjoying this ride with us. Mm-hmm. Can you tell that maybe I'm crying? But you'll, you probably can't <laughs> tell, but you probably will, now that I've said it, kind of think about that when you hear me and you're like, wow. Listen to the tremble. Right. Listen to that tremble. So watch as we transition from part two to part three. Right. Right now. Ew. 